Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. Today, the panel expresses what it is about the DC Universe we love so much. We really appreciate it if you would support the show by hitting that subscribe button. And of course, thanks for listening. All right, it's no secret if you listen to any of our past episodes that it's pretty clear we love the DC Universe over here. Let me know how it is. But today I thought we'd go in a little bit deeper into just what it is about the DC Universe we love so much. So I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. All right. So for the record, I want to stress to the listeners, this is not an anti-Marvel episode. That's not what's going on here. Uh, we may compare the two here and there for parts of the episode, but this is not by any means saying that one universe is better than the other. I assure you, we love the Marvel Universe too. There will be a Why We Love the Marvel <laughs> Universe episode coming. I promise that. Um, but for this one, this is about showing love for DC. So uh, who wants to start us off? Well, I love Superman. I mean, I enjoy the character. I appreciate its longevity. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the archetype to the superhero. He's what started off on um, what we need or a person having powers more than just <laughs> the usual walking around and solving crimes, not swinging from trees or anything. He, he, he flies, he does damn near everything, and he wants to make the world a better place, you know? I mean, he's, I think he's the uh, focal point of heroism, I guess, as, as far as being genuine in his uh, need for everyone to live a simple and easier life, despite what's going on in, in their life, you know? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that, that is crucial to Superman and sort of the DC universe as a whole, sort of, you can argue either way, but uh, Superman's positive. He's optimistic. He's hopeful, you know? Yeah, he embodies a lot of things that we want to see in ourselves on a regular basis, you know? Yeah, it's- he's, he, he's, he's a good guy. That's the thing. It's like, you know, he's, he, there, there's a purity to him, and I like that. that that's, uh, I, I like the, the heroism. Yes. That he brings to the table and, and, and to the DC universe in large. I like that it's about heroes trying to do the, 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 the right thing, the good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, given this background, humble beginnings, you know, um, trying to make it in a big town. Lone survivor. Lone survivor of, uh, yeah, uh, uh, a cautionary tale, hoping that society doesn't lead to the path of what he was born from, you know? It's just to me, it's just a family trying to do right by him, too. You know, sure. I I love uh, the backstory of uh, Martha and Jonathan Kent that makes uh, this individual a great person in himself. I mean, take away the powers. I still would want that individual to be my friend. The powers to me, though, doesn't make Superman. It's just it's almost, I guess, a gift for someone that thinks so much of the world, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think. um I think the thing that's kind of crucial to Superman also, and the thing that's kind of interesting is that right from the get-go, like right from the first panel of that book, we're introduced to a world bigger than just Earth, even though Krypton blows up essentially right away, but it does open the world that like, okay, like aliens exist, right? And interstellar travel exists, and it makes the, it makes the universe huge right from the start. Yeah. You know? 
And that's kind of a thing that I like about the DC. Like, I like the vastness of it that, you know, it's a, it's a universe that goes back 82 years mm-hmm. publication wise. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of stories, a lot of characters, a lot of writers, a lot of artists dip their toes in there and kind mm-hmm. of leave their mark. Yeah, a lot of stories, a lot of passion and a lot of characters, people who are affected by it and what comes after, you know? And I like the, uh, I just, I mean, I just like the genuineness of it, you know? It feels like old age Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Well, not, I won't say Greek mythology, but more along the lines of, you know, the acts of, the, the uh, acts of heroism, you know, the path of the hero. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like that's strongly depicted in DC Universe. I was saying, you mean like along the hero's journey of it? Yeah, for a lot, for for most cases, a lot of what DC embodies is the hero's journey. I like to think mm. the need to be uh to make the world a better place despite what's going on. Like I said earlier, yeah, I think it's one of those things where with the DC universe, especially, you get a lot of characters that sort of, while they have tragedy and stuff that goes in their lives, you do have a lot of characters that just sort of do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Which I, you know, I always I always thought was interesting. For example, you have um. Like, let's say Barry Allen. You have Barry Allen who grew up, you know, they've shown like that he was basically a, a Flash fan, a fan of uh, Jay Garrick's. And then by that example, he basically learns how to be a better person. Like that's part of his, his part of his, his whole thing about being a forensic police officer is, is the fact that he, you know, or forensic scientist, I should say, is that he, you know, he learns from Jay Garrick about being the Flash and about being a good person. It's kind of a nice meta moment early on in, in, in DC history. The idea of doing the right thing, granted, from the example of the comic book, I think is a really nice message that a lot of people kind of gloss over when they talk about that character or comics in general. Yeah, I think also, I mean, it's great that you bring up Barry because you're, you're, you're hitting on a point that, that I was thinking about today. I think something that a lot of people miss, too, is that the heroes of DC, by and large, like try to be good and helpful to society like in every facet of their life so i was thinking about this like bruce wayne's a philanthropist right mm-hmm. with the wayne foundation he's always got all those charities and giving money to like disenfranchised kids you know that like right. if it wasn't for his wealth he very easily could have been one of these people sure right um given his story and clark's a reporter so his whole thing is searching for truth out there right revealing the truth out there to the masses barry's a crime scene investigator wonder woman's at this is a diplomat right you know like like everybody even outside of the cape has something that they're pursuing to help society which i think sure. is really cool mm-hmm. and you have slackers like booster gold and Guy Gardner <laughs> too. sure right not <laughs> yeah. everybody but it's yeah. one of those things where if you look at if you look at your early you know, early, early. I mean, I mean, if we're talking about all the way to the golden age, a lot of those people were, you know, scientists. I mean, uh, Alan Scott were, ran a, a broadcasting company, right? Yeah. Uh, Jay Garrick was experimenting with heavy water when he got his powers. Um, I mean, Ted Grant's a boxer, but still, he's Wildcat, so he's awesome. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of hard to argue with that one. But I mean, I, like you said, with the rest of them, it's all, you know, they're generally in situations where even if they didn't, I think and there's been plenty of stories where you know, so-and-so didn't, it's an alternate world story or, you know, timelines change and they have to change it back and -and so-and-so didn't get powers and they're still making a big difference either in their communities or at large by virtue of the fact that they don't have powers, but they're still, like you said, they're basically good people. And I know when, when I've read about stuff about like the silver age, when you're talking about, you know, and again, we're not knocking Marvel because we, we love Marvel, but it's one of those things where early on around the time of the fantastic four, when, when the superhero starts to come back in vogue for them, and Jason Lee transforms that company, 
you know, the, the, the knock on DC was like, well, everyone, you know, everyone has these, you know, mamby pamby problems and nobody's really real. And I'm like, that's, that's a really simplistic way to look at it because not all those books are that way. I mean, they're not, they have problems, they're fighting crime and doing stuff, but at the same time, it's not as, as, you know, it's not the same, same storytelling you just get when, when, you know, Stan Lee starts doing stuff in Marvel, but I think it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a misnomer, kind of a, a misdirect to think that those characters didn't go through things early on in those books, or at least when, in the early parts of the Silver Age, I should say. Right. I thought that DC had a lot less, uh, and I'm using this as, <laughs> with air quotes, please, internal struggles of who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them knew who they are and what, and, and their place in the world for the larger part. It was just how to embody that in the world we live in. Right. That's, I think, their major concern was, like, let me be wrong, um, it's not like, Oh, I, I think Superman knew who he was, hence the secret identity. It was right. never, it was, I don't think he really questioned his role in it all. It's just a matter of, am I strong enough to handle this role that I've created for myself? Is what right. most of the struggles that went on with the DC Universe people. It's like their need to be greater than what they were. Hence, a lot of people see them as gods in that manner. Right. In which the, 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 their undertaking and what they did was a lot larger than a normal person can conceive of, you know? Right. Another thing that's a, bit, a knock on that I've heard people say about DC characters are like you said, they're, they're, you know, they're just so powerful. They're just so godlike. They're so, you know, they can't relate. I'm like, they can't really, a lot of the knock is they can't relate to normal everyday problems. And, and, and I go back and I look at, you know, a lot of those, like you were saying, Tommy, a lot of those, like if you look at those early silver age or, or, or like Superman and Batman covers, a lot of them are, you know, like Superman's upset about the fact that, you know, I mean, like you can say, I mean, it's not all the imaginary story stuff, but some of it's like Superman just being in a, in a situation where he's able to go back to Krypton and like can't stop the fact that Krypton explodes or, you know, he sees a vision of like, you know, a, another, that's just an example, but like another example is something along the lines of, you know, Superman could alter this and can't, even with all his power, Superman can't change or be there for everyone, right? Yeah. And it's one of those things where I don't think, again, I think it's one of the things that gets kind of glossed over and like, oh, those are silly stories. I'm like, not all of them are. A lot of them are, you know, they're kind of goofy, but a lot of those are rooted in the fact that Superman's, you know, been a been an orphan, an orphan from this planet. I mean, granted, they start to edit the mythos with Crypto and Supergirl and then, you know, the bottle of Candor and all that stuff that comes along. But, you know, there's a certain loneliness to Superman that I don't think really gets appreciated. The fact that a lot of those early stories are like, you know, I'm Superman's long lost brother. And then by the end of the story, it's like, no, you're not. You're just some guy who's trying to pull one over or something. And there's one, a lot of those, you know, Superman searching for family stories that don't really get, you know, I think quite the, 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 the appreciation that they should, because again, when people are like, oh, Superman's so powerful, you could never, you know, you can never have any real problems. I'm like, yeah, he does. He's pretty lonely early on in those stories. So even if they're played in a goofy sort of silver agey way. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great things about the silver age too, aside from being like this, this um, explosion in like creativity and imagination. But I think, I think that plays into the everyday qualities of some of these stories. Right. So, so like Superman is like walking um, crypto. This is like a, like a Grant Morrison quote. I remember it's okay. You know, it's relatable going out and walking your dog, but like instead for him, because he's got fantastic powers, he's walking him like past Saturn. Right. You right, know what I mean? Exactly. And I, I think that that like that's what I love about the Silver Age is like here's here's a relatable thing and we're just gonna take it like we're just gonna exaggerate it to to a hundred, mm-hmm. right? 
Right. Like I remember like with the, the Barry Allen stuff in Silver Age, like his personal life was always a mess. And it mm-hmm. was always that he was late for everything, which is just, you know, a fun, ironic twist since he's the fastest man alive. But he always had so much stuff going on <laughs> that he couldn't be there for everything and then would screw stuff up. Yep. That's one of my absolute favorite things about Barry Allen. The idea, <laughs> yeah. the idea that he is perpetually late as sure. the fastest man alive. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Is a lot of those stories is like, you know, it's, you know, it, it may seem goofy and charming in a way for, you know, and I, I think it's charming for the time, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Clark has to perfect the fact that for at the time, it's not so much now, but Clark, you know, they've definitely, you know, come round about on the idea that Clark could be his own person while still being Superman. You know, at the time, Clark had to, I mean, it's done in, again, in, in Bing Back Morrison. Morrison does it really well in All Star Superman, the idea of, you know, Clark has to perfect the slouch. And, you know, right. and sort of pretend that he's a schlub, you know, and that's, you know, and, and it's never, you know, again, it's not one of those things where I think it might be in like the, the, the Bronze Age or like the 70s stuff where they start to, you know, they start to have a moment of Clark being like, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I do all this. And that's kind of debilitating to me as a person just so I can pretend that I'm Superman. Right. You know, yeah. so that no one figures this out. Yeah. So my, you know, my parents and my loved ones and my coworkers and all these, you know, people are going to be threatened by that. And then Barry's the same way where Barry's got to come up with this whole thing of, you know, of, of basically being, you know, being late for all the, you know, all the stuff when he could be there in, in, in an instant. Yeah. You know, you have the thing, yeah. with, you have the same way with Bruce Wayne where Bruce Wayne has to pretend and it's played up, I think, really well, like early on in, um, it might be in somewhere earlier, but my biggest memory of it is in, in year one with the Frank Miller and Mazzucchelli stuff where, you know, Bruce has to pretend that when he gets injured, he's, you know, been on a ski trip <laughs> and injured right. himself, right? Yeah. yeah, he has to have the, the two women there pretending like I don't even know if they I don't know who they are. I don't know if they speak the language, but here I am with them when Gordon comes around sniffing around <laughs> to see if he's, you know, yeah. to see if he's Batman or not. And that's kind of things where like 20, 30 years earlier, it's Bruce pretending he's just a fop, you know, that doesn't care. You know, he's a layabout who just cares about counting his money when really we all know that no, he's Batman and he's going to yeah. go out, he's going to go out tonight and stop whatever you know nonsense Two-Face is up to or whatever. So I, think, I, th- I think that that stuff is encapsulated so well in the Dark Knight and that one bit where he, he arrives in the party. Uh-huh. You remember like like he's throwing the 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 Harvey Dent like benefit. Mm-hmm. Right. And he arrives in a helicopter. and He's got like four women. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's that moment where he's out of the balcony. He's talking to Rachel and he's got like the bottle, like the glass of champagne. And he just tosses it like over the side. Well, I, th- I love the bit yeah. that I love in that same in that same like sequence, like when the when when uh, the Joker shows up and he goes so in that that secret room and the girl's like, "Is that a panic room?" And he just he just because of course why wouldn't he have a panic room? Sure, but he just you know he totally ignores him because of course we all know he's going to be you know go put on his suit. But still, it's a moment of you know it's a nice you know a moment that fits well into character of like this is a vapid guy that doesn't care about anyone and all he cares about is millions or billions, yeah. I should say. Well, I like the bit where um, he's in the car and he creates the accident. It's like, that's, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great moment, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, like, but, yeah. but again, that's an extension of all the stuff that's come before of trying to, you know, you've got to do all this stuff to protect your identity so that people don't figure it out. So your loved ones and yourself aren't, you know, so people aren't showing up stately Wayne Manor trying to blow your head off. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the very beginning of DC, just in counterpoint to Superman is how broad they made the universe right out of the gate so mm-hmm. that they could fit everything. So you've got your first guy with godlike powers mm-hmm. and then your next big sustainable superhero is the guy with no powers. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Super street level. He's fighting crooks, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
he's fighting purse snatchers and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, that, that's, that's what I love about it too, is that you can go, you can go interstellar as space and, and galaxy hop and stuff. And then there, and then like, you know, Frank, you and I say this all the times. And then you have like seventies Batman where like a, a crook with a wrench could take out Batman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it's like, what is it? Night of the stalker we've talked about before where it's kind of like, you know, a guy gets a drop on him and if, you know, if not for a, a less shallow <laughs> lake, <laughs> you know, it's one of those, he, he wouldn't make it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, the one thing, I mean, I, I like the idea, like you said, it's interesting to me, the idea of, you know, from the get go right off, right, right from the first panel, it's like, oh yeah, Krypton exists. There's, you know, it's outer space. Aliens are a thing. Right. And again, it's such a sci-fi concept that basically gets turned on its head because, you know, the other thing is this alien is going to come to earth and basically become earth's greatest hero is, is, is an odd concept. And again, it's, you know, obviously it's related into, into myth, you know, your mythology, like Tommy was saying, you know, the idea of, you know, they, they're, you know, there's the whole sending this godlike person to man is, is somewhat Christ-like. And I, and I don't always like it when it goes. Or Moses. There's right the Moses. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I was about to get to it. I was about to get to <laughs> okay. Cliff. It was the next thing was like, yeah, it's also very much, you know, Moses in the reeds and, the, and, and sent down to Pharaoh. It's also that too. But thankfully, you know, instead of Pharaoh, he gets, he gets Jonathan and Martha. You know, and there's been stories about that, like The Nail by Alan Davis, where, you know, we get to see what happens in a world where Superman doesn't end up with the Kents or Red Sun, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me, the idea that, you know, it's a very positive story of the idea of like, yeah, he's dying from going with this dying world and he's coming to Earth and he's still going to be met and embraced. And it, it even plays out more in the idea of um, the Hitman issue, Hitman 34, which is, you know, I think in the in the. uh in the, Our favorite single favorite issues, single issues yeah. episode is one of my favorites of the I sing, which is the idea of like, you know, Superman's whole thing is and this is explained to him by, you know, Tommy Monaghan, the hitman, the assassin, you know, the idea that no, you're, you know, your whole thing is what America should be the idea that, you know, you arrive here as, as an immigrant and you basically are like, oh, now I'm an American. How can I help? And that's Superman in a nutshell, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know? oh, yeah. Well, what I like about it, too, is like the, the versions where Jarrell um sends him sends Kal-El to earth and and knows essentially like you're going to be bestowed with powers when you get there and stuff like that like one of my fa- like like if i have to pick my favorite superman movie of all time i pick the trailer to superman returns <laughs> right <laughs> the first teaser to superman returns okay. like like the the movie's kind of all over the place it's up and down and all that and mm-hmm. you know i don't want to get too much into it but the trailer like like i'm not exaggerating i i get kind of choked up watching that teaser every single time when it's got like the brando um like Voice voiceover over. where it's yeah. like you know i'm sending them you my only son you know they're great people kal they choose to be right you right. know that's like it ah, god it gets me every time we'll, we'll ah. put it up for sure but sure there's a hopefulness to it that I like. And one of the other things I love about Superman, and this, this is a topic that I'm kind of dying to get into for another episode, the idea of like love interests and stuff like that. But this is um, why Superman and Wonder Woman together, like never really felt good to me that because there's such a beauty to the most powerful being on the planet mm-hmm. falls in love with just, you know, some woman over there not not that not that lois is it is is your typical woman she's not you know what i mean but 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 you get my point like she's right. just she's just a normal girl you can send all your you can send all your hate mail to zach <laughs> right. at, at tellmehowitis.com hate mail 
because you know, typical woman. Just make sure that's your that's your uh, your header line there. But go on, Zach, please. No, but but you know what I mean. Like, I know you what know, you she, mean. She, she, she doesn't have powers or anything right. like she's that. Not she's not another godlike being. Yeah, right. yeah. She's, no, she's, I got you. She's just a woman from Earth, right? Uh, and there and there's a beauty to that that I really really love. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, but absolutely. No, but, so I mean, taking a little step from the Superman aspect of which I introduced, I also like how DC embodies legacy and children or sidekicks. Yes, in which they they do it like no other. I mean, it it it, it besides that point of hope towards children in which they matter too and and it looks towards generations and their influence and the direction you want to take them as opposed to leaving them behind to watch adults do their thing the way they style their ideals and goals and dreams upon the younger generation as they look up to them and try to mold them into something greater which is which is which i enjoy from the dc universe you know well i like the fact that you know you know that's one of the things i remember you know when i collected early on was the idea of Oh, so there's a Flash on this Earth, and then there's Barry Allen. Okay, and then it you know, and then it extended further. You know, there's two Lanterns, and there's two Supermans, and there's two Batman. You know, and then as time goes on, obviously characters die off. Or, and then it got to be a point when after Crisis, when they merge everything together, the idea, like you said, uh, Tommy, the uh, that legacy becomes more and more important. It's one of those things where, you know, a character can start in one place. You know, one can be one character, and then you know, like for example, Manhunter. Like Manhunter was. You know, Paul Kirkman Hunter was basically that it was tied in loosely to the Manhunters from Green Lantern mythology, and then it became um, there was a Manhunter in the '80s after you know after Crisis, and then you had uh, Kate Spencer who was Manhunter, and that's just one example out of a myriad of examples that just gets pat the name gets passed down along further and further, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love about Crisis on Infinite Earths is the is the byproduct of of we want to we want to sort of like run a comb through the entire DC universe and make it more accessible. But at the same time, we want to say that all these characters and stories happened. And so what you get is DC goes really far into the past. You got the JSA and the world war two heroes and Sergeant rock and the losers and unknown soldier and stuff like that. Right. And then you can also go like really far into the future with, I mean, in the case of like Legion of superheroes, really, really far. Right. right. But that, I mean, there's, there's, it's so big. The universe is so big that there's, that there's multiple points in the future that are big. It's like Booster Gold's time and Impulse, like Bart Allen's time. And then there's Commandy and OMAC and, right. you know, and Batman Beyond, even if mm-hmm. you want to, and, and, you know, we're not even talking like Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that, too, as like these possible futures and stuff. Well, I mean, that's one thing I was, my, one of my points that I was going to bring up that I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Zach, because to me, it was, I think better that you know better than any but other you know again nothing against the marvelous competition. I, I think that that DC for whatever reason gets the future not necessarily right because they've had a lot of reboots and revamps and restarts. But I think the idea that it does the future better than than other comic companies, I think it's is is far and away. You know, like you said, there's the various you know there's the Omax and and Batman Beyond and Booster. But I think the idea that, you know, when you really start to think about the future, future, it's Legion, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, granted, like you had, like, there's plenty of Flash stories where early on where Barry would go to like the 53rd century or whatever, or the Justice League would go to the end of time or that kind of stuff. But I'm talking like, if you look at the, like your main look at what, you know, a thousand years from now with the future DC comics would be, or at least that, that DC universe would be, 
it's the Legion. And I like the fact that I've always liked the fact that it's, it's teenagers, it's kids. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily like the version of the justice league a thousand years later. You know, I like the idea that it's, you know, it's, it's kids from all over the galaxy basically coming together and deciding to do the right thing based on what they thought Superman or Superboy, depending on what you're looking at or your timeline, you know, that's what they're looking at is that's their, you know, their barometer for how they should act and how they should do things. And I've always liked that, that idea that the future is, is in their hands. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think uh, I'm, I'm saying the word beautiful, but yeah, a, a lot. It's, it's what's beautiful about Legion of superheroes is that is, is the idea that I mean, there's a couple of ver- different versions, right? Where you said like they're inspired by Superman himself. Right. In the 20th century. And then there's other versions where they're inspired by sort of like, like the age of heroes of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. The future of course culminates to the Legion. And I love how uh, utopian, at the same time, it's not. It's a little bit disheveled, but it's grander in its scope. Mm-hmm. But I love how they they equally like what you said, Zach. How they equally embody the dystopian age, the the uh, the last human alive age, you know, or the super futuristic age, which is just. I mean, what they do. I like how they encapsulate eras in which stories are able to evolve as a result of the future, but ultimately. It's a greater tomorrow, even though it takes a little time to get to it. Right. Uh, I, I love how it, it's seen through a different scope during periods of time to allow other uh, uh, heroes or eras to evolve and great stories to come of it and still do it all at the end of the road. We're go- it's going to be a better tomorrow. It still embodies hope on a level or scale that we only dream of, you know? Well, I mean, the, the idea that you have like the great disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the time of OMAC, you have all these things that people don't necessarily are, you know, more and more, you know, they're trying to like be able to try to fit it all. Yeah. I think with Millennium, they tried to do the, the I'm talking about the Millennium, not the, not the, the miniseries in the early or mid eighties or whatever, or the late eighties. I'm talking about the one that was the Bendis one, but that launched the new Legion of Superheroes. Yes. The idea that, you know, they're trying to make that, you know, great disaster, OMAC, Batman Beyond, you know, Tommy Tomorrow, <laughs> Space Cabby, all that stuff you know, sort of fit a timeline so it actually leads to Legion is a good thing, I think, because of the fact, like, like you said, Tommy, the idea that, you know, yeah, we're going to go through a lot of stuff, but I mean, for me, it's hopeful the idea that, you know, a thousand years in the future, Superman's belief system and what, he's, what, what he thought to be important is still relevant, right? Because yeah. I, I think one of those things where, you know, for a minute at DC and, and, and you know, I understand the push to be like, ah, oh, you know, Superman's outdated. You know, and again, I get back to my favorite issues, my favorite single issues, and I'm talking about Action 775. The idea that no, Superman's you know belief system and, and what he stands for is not outdated. It's just that the 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 people are, you know the, the world around him might change, but Superman's still that thing that you want to be, that good right thing. You know, I think the fact that a thousand years in the future, that's still a you know a possibility even after a great disaster or the weird messed up world of OMAC or you know whatever you know, comes along, eventually it's going to write itself. And then, oh yeah, these kids are going to still think that Superman's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Despite you know? it all. And despite all. And the other thing is the fact that, you know, they flesh it out. It's not so much of the beginning, but, you know, other writers come along on Legion. You know, originally it's the, you know, it's it's Lightning Land and Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. They all go back in time to Smallville to talk to Clark Kent, Superboy, and recruit him. You know, and they put him through a, basically a hazing process. <laughs> <laughs> to see if they can join his, you know, the superhero club, but obviously they want to take him on because they think, you know, they know what he's going to turn into. Really quick, hey, hey, really quick, J- just just to be 
clear, you're, you're talking Superboy, Clark Kent Superboy. Yes. Not not the current, not Connor Kent. No, not the not, one that you see in Young Justice and stuff like that, right? No, the, no not yeah. Connor Kent, not Connell. I'm talking about like original Clark. Like I'm talking about like the 50, like I think it's 58 is when Legion first shows up in Adventure Comics. And it's kind of a template for what comes later. But what, what I'm saying is what I, my whole point was, even though you have this idea that like, this is like, oh, we're, you know, we're having unity and stuff between these kids of different planets. You know, other writers come along and, and basically like they seed that and flesh that out of like, oh, some of these planets don't get along. Kind of like, you know, the Fire Nation, the Earth Nation or, or, or Fire Nation yeah. in, in, <laughs> Avatar. in Avatar, right? It's the same yeah. thing in The Last Airbender where like, yeah, a lot of these kids don't necessarily get along, but they're getting together for the better good of possibly having the planet be united, you know, the planets be united. You know, that's better than having, you know, petty squat squabbles between two planets that don't get along or that we're at war or, right, Tommy? And that's some of the stuff that comes up. Yeah, definitely. I like the whole idea of having a um, a galactic, uh, United States on a galactic level, basically, is why I see it as. Mm-hmm. The need to organize and um, build on on the um, the shortcomings and the fallacies of what we engaged earlier. Despite um, our differences, we need to come together and be uh be one basically is what the uh legion embodies and they do it in such a way that their whole team is built up of individuals from different planets i mean they could go with just earthlings or things of that nature where the united planets is based on in, in some cases right but it's just the inclusion of different people from different races different backgrounds different cultures despite what they're coming to do but what they all still embody the same idea and the hope of tomorrow is which what they learned from Superman. Yeah. And I think it's a smart thing too, because if, if it was all earthlings in the 30th century, it would seem regressive, right? Yes. When, when you're looking at the present day and depending on what version of the justice league you're looking at, but you you're seeing people from Mars, you're seeing people from like the Hawks from Thanagar and stuff like that. Like, like you know, the Kryptonians, the leader, you know, so yeah. it's already made up of of people from different planets. And so I think, yeah, if they did only Earthlings <laughs> in right. Legion, it would seem like a step back. Mm-hmm. You very know? aggressive. It'd be very aggressive. I mean, come on. A thousand years in the future, we still can't get together and, you know, be one world. That's that's <laughs> right. real sad, you know. But yeah, I think also one of the things about uh, about legacy that I get to that, that that's really interesting about the DC universe is I think. um Characters like Wally West, the Dick Grayson, they get to grow up, right? Yeah. They're characters mm-hmm. that we get to see as children starting off as Robin and Kid Flash and then ultimately become, you know, Nightwing and, and you know, and, and um, in Wally's case, actually becoming the Flash and taking the mantle. And, and you know, Nightwing becomes Batman for, for a short period as well. But I think that that's such a unique thing that fleshes out the timeline a little bit that, that, that gives you that sense of like the past and the present and the future and stuff a lot, a lot, um, a lot better, I would say than again, not don't want to crap on Marvel or anything, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like DC, I think is a little bit more motivated at, at, at creating a firm timeline for things, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's one like, I mean, again, not back, you know, getting back to the future. No, no, no pun intended there. Um, the idea that, you know, at Marvel at one point, the future was the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they're a totally different group of characters than are what, you know, what the more popular Guardians are. I mean, like, they're not really the same, you know, they were basically five, you know, five or six characters that, that were together, same thing where they came, they were slaves of the Badoon and they come together and then they, you know, form the Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Right, Yondu was like the only carryover. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, from the original to now, but basically still a different character and just similar in look and name. Right, I mean, you get like Stallone in, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 plays Starhawk and you get uh, um, Ming Rames as Charlie 27. And, but it's one of those right, things right. where like, if you don't, you know, again, if you don't really know, you, they don't, they're not really spelled out. You know, <laughs> it's not one of those things where uh, you would know that they were supposed to be the original Guardians unless you knew that, you know, that's what they were. But I think it's one of those things, like I said, with DC, where DC's like got a much stronger, you know, I mean, Marvel has 2099 and so that's one of the versions of the future and stuff and there's random other stuff, but it's not nearly as. as and Days of Future Past. 2099 and Days of Future Past are like the two Marvel futures that stuck. True. That's true. Yeah. 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 But that's one of the things where like, there's not really beyond those things. There's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of cohesion with what their future even potentially could be. Like you don't regularly have groups from marvel's current time go to a future and hang out with characters anymore like you had it it happened from time to time but it doesn't really happen as regularly like say hey we're going to go to the 30th century and visit the legion right that's something yeah. that does, doesn't happen near as much so and then you know for the longest time up until you know i don't know the last 10 years legion was a book that was pretty much done you know from the 60s on you know it was mm-hmm. one of those perennial books that came out which came out in some form for years and years and years which you can't say that about, say, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, I agree. Like Mar- Marvel, I mean, that is an interesting thing for Marvel, though, is that they don't say concretely, like, this is the future. And so it does lend a little bit more to, like, all of that stuff still in play. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I think that kind of trying to roll in Batman Beyond and Commandy and Omac into, um, into a scenario where all of that kind of funnels into the Legion, I think is really, really smart to Mm -hmm. do. And I mean, that's always what I kind of assumed anyway, in my head, when you're kind of making your own continuity as you're reading all of this stuff and just being a fan of this stuff. It was also one of the things that I thought young justice, the the cartoon had as, as a goal in mind, it just seemed to, to, to be going that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, but yeah, but uh, another aspect that I like to add with DC that I love is characterization. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, they come across as when they when they have an idea of characterization, who they want their people to be, it's so definite and defined. Like, let's say with um, Darkseid, uh, uh, to me, he's just the villain. I mean, you, <laughs> I've yet to see, in my opinion, um, a stronger villain seen in that arc in which. He's just the embodiment of, you know, stoic, persistent, all-encompassing. I mean, it's he's just bad. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's uh, so imposing. I mean, you can threaten him if you want to, but as soon as you see him, it's it's a point of awe. And like, you know, what's this guy going to do to me? Is he going to kill me? Is he going to do this? Is he going to use me? It's, that's just one example of... Uh, what they have plans for their uh, characters in that regard that I enjoy about DC. Well, I do think it's interesting that when we're talking, I mean, Dark Side's a good example, but I think we're talking villains. I think DC, I'm not going to say has better villains. I'm just saying that DC will take a better chance, will take a bigger chance on a villain leading a book. Like, I think yeah. DC, uh, okay. DC has a much better track record of, oh, let's put the villain in the lead and see what happens. Yeah, like you know. Lex or Joker. Right, because Joker, yeah. Joker had his own book for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Lex had, couple, had his book. Lex had different various one-shots. He had a run in Action Comics right after uh, Blackest Night, where he was, you know, mm-hmm. had the 
the orange uh got power. a movie you yeah. got a movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know like i'd be surprised too if we don't have a lex luther movie coming yeah because of it too like you know it wouldn't surprise me in the, in the least but i mean you've had like you know there's been like like Catwoman, that government's mm-hmm. had a book. Deathstroke's had a regular book yep. for a long time. Yeah. Um, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, it was uh, Supervillain, um, Secret, Secret Society of Supervillains was another book at DC that definitely was like, you know, was all about the bad guys. So well, I think, can we say Secret Six? Sure. Secret Six yeah. Is, yeah. is another one. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's, a, it's, it's definitely it's a good a, one. A very good one. Oh, it's a great one. I, I think, you know, Gail Simone's run on that was fantastic. I, you know, it's a good, I think it's, it's as close to as as you were going to get for uh, John Ostrander's uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. much more than the actual Suicide Squad books they've tried to do. Mm-hmm. But um, in tone and everything, I, you know, both those books are great. So it's one of the you know, Villains United is another one out of uh, Infinite uh, Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Crisis. Yeah, yeah, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, the countdown to Infinite Crisis. Yes. That they came out of those books. So again, it's one of the things where I think DC is much more. Oh, it's, it's Sinestro. The Sinestro one with that was out yeah. uh, a few <laughs> yes, years yes. back by um, Colin Bunn. Colin oh, Bunn right, that, right. That was another book that was you know, it, it, if you like Sinestro, it's a great book. So you know, I think DC is much more willing. Like you don't, you know, at Marvel again, this is not a knock on Marvel, but by comparison, you don't have like Green Goblin. You know, Green Goblin doesn't. Have, I mean, granted, you had Thunderbolts. But right. in that Thunderbolts kind of, is a good one. Yeah, here's the Thunderbolts one with with Norman in charge is pretty great. But um, you know, convert, I just don't think there's a lot. I mean, when you for pound for pound, I think DC is much more willing to say, yeah, we'll, we'll put a villain in the league. And I think that's an, I think that's an interesting thing because you know there's a lot of people that you know while they can't, and again, you could argue that Lobo's kind of he's not a villain, but he's definitely an anti-hero. Yeah, sure. But, but you know, it's one of those things where I think you could you can look at it and say. You know that DC is much more willing to make that 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 leap because there are some people who like don't believe that you know people can be inherently good that no they would probably lean or list towards being more villainous than the hero than you know having heroes. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's a very strong assortment of of um, bad guys that that you know that that are like like the typical uh, archetype thing that's usually some kind of mirror reflection. Of mm-hmm. the hero. Speaking of, not to cut you off there, Zach, but I would be remi- re- incredibly remiss to not mention the Doug Monkey, Peter J. Tomasi, Black Adam miniseries. That was just phenomenal stuff if you like Black Adam. That's another great one, too. Okay. What year was that one? Um, it's, or time period. At it's least. right around the time of, uh, it's after, right? I think it's right after 52. Okay. Yeah, right around that time. Was it was that like was that like the World War Three stuff that was going on at that um, time? I want to say it's, it's it's either right before or right after that stuff. Okay, because it's a lot of responsive stuff that has happened to, um, what's happened to him as a result of fifty two, with uh, him with ISIS okay. and all that. So, but yeah, it's a great it's a great series. Again, it, you know, it's it's really really good. But again, it's another instance of, you know, the villain is the lead. You know, yeah. again, you can argue that Black Adam's an anti-hero, but he, for the longest time, he was straight up villain. So, yeah, well, and I think I think with the Rock movie coming out too, right, right. that they're <laughs> that they're just going to double down more on that—the idea that he that he's an anti-hero and you know, right? Uh, yeah, the movie they've been talking about for twelve years. Yes, right? yes, <laughs> yeah. But that, uh, but Frank, that was a time where he wanted his own family with ISIS and uh, Osiris. Osiris, yeah, yes. yeah. That was a good run. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because a lot of that stuff is the stuff that Johns was doing in JSA, and then then like I said, um, you know, Tomasi doing uh, doing that Black Adam mini, which is just really really good. Yeah, I got to check that one out. I never I never read that one. Okay, but yeah, I remember but- that period. I mean, that was that was one of my favorite periods in DC, like that Infinite Crisis, um, fifty two time. I mean, that was just like at a point where I think DC was was really embracing all of their characters and trying to make everything just put it out there. You know what I mean? It, it didn't seem like, like they, they had a, a sense that you would do your homework. And if you didn't know this character, what, who it was like, you would just look it up. You know what I mean? And, and I think that DC's kind of gotten away from that a little bit and I miss it terribly. Like I really like, like, I think that was, that was what the company did best when they were building up, when they, when they had these huge casts building up to this one crucial, like crisis event. Well, you had that, you had a good, you had a good five, almost six years of just stuff of being a building. And, you know, like, you know, you would have characters show up from other books you have, or you have characters from books talking to each other as an epilogue page. And you're like, well, what is this all leading to? And what it was all leading to was, um, was, was, uh, infinite crisis where basically like yeah was, that was in leading from like 2004 to 2007 yeah well you had a yeah. good you know you had a good chunk of time where it was you know everybody was on the same page creatively it seemed like you know everyone was like basically you know here and there with the ball you know the football was getting advanced you know every couple of yards and you're like okay well surely this is going to build to something and then it all you know all these major events all sort of came to you know the various worlds you know all the the magic stuff and as well as the OMAC stuff that was going on and all started, you know, to basically dovetail into this one event, you know, it was great. It was a great time at DC. It's one of those things where I agree with, I would agree with you, Zach, at the idea that, you know, they don't seem to do, you know, they just want to have a thing pop up and it's supposed to be, you know, a world ender as opposed to, you know, laying the foundation for a while and then having it be a big event. Yeah, no, that, that one was definitely earned. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, it was, it was big and it, and, and it felt justifiably big right. at the set, right? It just, it, it didn't feel like one of those stories to piggyback off of what you're saying that this is big because we're telling you that it's big, like comics will do so, like, you know, a number of times, right? but well, it, it came at a time of, if anyone can believe it, where there was a, there were no big events for like 10 years, <laughs> right? Like, which is hard to believe again, mm-hmm. but there there was a time when there wasn't events all the time and infinite crisis was the first one in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also, I mean, that's indicative of one of the other things about DC that I love. Now, if I was going to ask you guys, what are the pinnacle stories of DC universe, right? Mm-hmm. You would say Dark Knight Returns. You would say year one. You would say, right. You, you would have a couple of Batman stories. You would have a couple of Superman stories. But how quickly would you get to like smaller books, right? How quickly would it would, would it be until you get to like Animal Man, mm-hmm. which has a seminal run right? and Mark Waits Flash? And stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that that's an important thing also that, that, yeah, I mean, they focus on Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman a lot, but you know, there are the, there are these moments where these, the smaller book will bubble up and, and have immense staying power. Yes. You know? Oh yeah. I think Mark Wade's flash run is, is as good a run of superhero comics as you will ever read. There's some phenomenal, uh, really phenomenal stories in there. Absolutely. Yeah. 
you know, he does a, does a lot of, you know, does some great stuff with Wally. You know, I mean, there's still people that to this day are like, no, you know, it's all well and good that Barry Allen's back, but Wally West is the Flash. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that people still look on it finally. I mean, to me, it's, it's you know, I like Barry, but I love Wally. I mean, and Wally's, you know, awesome. Yeah, I'm the same way too. And I think I th- I think as far as like the idea of legacy that we keep getting into, it's I mean, that book is very important mm-hmm. for that for for a couple of reasons. I mean, Flash tends to be the character for these big universe shifting things that happen at DC, but at the same it's not time, not a crisis if a Flash doesn't die. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you get also um you know, the fact that that Wally takes over from Barry and mm-hmm. is trying to measure up to Barry. Oh, sure. And doesn't well, think he can do it for a long time. Yeah. Is is yeah, is well, beautiful. Yeah, for a long time it's it's you know, it's played in that book and for the beginning of it it's it's um it's uh who's the beginning writer? Mike Barron is the writer at the beginning for like the first 7 or 8, I think, and then William or maybe it's the first year. And then William Mesner Lopes takes over and he really they both expand upon the idea that coming out of crisis, you know, um Wally's in remission from cancer and then you know, he freaks out obviously when Barry dies because of how much Barry means to him. And then it shifts from he's like, All right, I'm gonna take on the mantle of the Flash. And then he does, and then it goes into Legends and it becomes this whole thing of going into his own series. I wanna be the Flash, but I don't want to replace Barry. And it's a very meta moment, the idea that, yeah, I'm willing to do this, but in a lot of people's minds, you know, again, Barry Allen is the Flash coming out of that that time period. But you know, and for a while he's he can't go as fast as Barry. He has, you know, he's in therapy. He's trying to get past it. You know, and it's a whole component of the book for a long, long time. And finally, he, you know, he embraces the idea of like, nope, I'm the Flash. I'm going to do this, and he does. And it's it's awesome. Again, it's really it's really fantastic storytelling. Yeah, I I was listening to an interview with um Mark Wade, and one of the interesting things he said, reflecting on his time on that books, is is he said when he took over Flash, that the God's honest feeling at dc at the time uh editorially was why are we still printing this thing Mm. (laughs) like 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 why is the flash still still in publication right you know what i mean and he was saying like how that's from a writer perspective you want to be in that that position really because like you you have so much freedom because if they if they kind of don't care about it right and what you do (laughs) right they're not going to be sticking their head in the door and being like hey why are you doing this yeah 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 but I, yeah, I mean, those books are, you know, I read that book. I read that book from issue one. I read all of it. I've read the entire run, the whole thing. Even to like, you know, from the beginning to Mike Barron to the end when um, I think it's Jeff Johnson. I'm not sure who writes the last issue because I don't think it's him, but he does most of the last couple of years. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I know. And I know he and Morrison also had like a weird trading of books for a little while. There was a period where like Morrison would jump on Flash from Justice League, but Mark Wade would jump on Justice League at the time. You had some of that because Morrison and Miller were writing the Flash that they get together. They wrote mm-hmm. those those issues. Those were, you know, those are some good ones too. I mean, that's where you get the like the the Black Flash, which is kind of like the 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 Flash version of Death. You know, that comes right. from that run. But uh, yeah, I, you know, to me, it's it's you know, I, it's unfortunate. I you know, I've lamented the last couple of things they've done with Wally West at DC because of the fact that you know there was such a strong run and so many you know good writers was on were on that character and on that book. So. You know, hopefully they'll write that and fix it, you know, fix that ship. But, you know, he's yeah. a character. He's a character that I'm always fond of and always, you know, I always enjoy reading to me. He's, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to, to root a guy against a guy that's been doing this since he was like 12. 
<laughs> yeah. you know again get, again get, you know for the right reasons getting back to the legacy thing granted he's kind of a jerk when he first starts off in his own book and in, in the, the early days of the mike barron stuff he's kind of a jerk but you know he gets better <laughs> he gets he gets much better so there's a nice family dynamic to that book too also we're like and that's the thing that, that we haven't pointed out to, to any listeners who don't know but wally west is also the nephew of barry allen mm-hmm. so so they're they are they're family. They're related. Right. Um, By marriage through Iris. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then when you get into like to impulse getting introduced and stuff like that and, and Wally marrying Linda and stuff like that, like there's a strong like family component to that book, which I think is cool. And and it's not something that DC pushes all the time, but when they do, uh, it, it, it's it's a really cool thing. Um, Superman kind of has a little bit of that, too. I mean, there was a period where Supergirl was not wasn't a character for a very, very long time. And then when they brought her back, I guess that was around like leading up to infinite crisis as well. Like pretty close. It was like 2002. I want to say when they actually brought Supergirl back as Superman's cousin. Right. You know? Yep. That was in Superman, Batman, Jeff Loeb. Yeah. That was probably like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The Michael Turner stuff that that he did the interiors for. Yeah. 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 It's a fun story. It's a fun story. I like that. You know, and I mean, and while none of them are blood, I mean, Batman and the Bat family is, is a strong family component, especially now. I mean, he has like he he has a team that's, you know, uh, rivals the X-Men in, in size now. Mm-hmm. Like he's got so many sidekicks and, you know, and then it's in some versions of those, like he's adopted Tim Drake, he's adopted Dick Grayson. So they are actually like like bonded um, by family at that point. You know right. what I mean? And then there's um, all that, like, Alfred is the surrogate father and this and that, you know? Right. So for a character that's a loner, I mean, he's surrounded himself with a lot of family members. And I think that that's kind of a cool thing, too, that, that DC is able to sort of do both and have it make sense. Like, it, does, it doesn't, you could still do stories with Batman as a loner and it doesn't ruin that stuff. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I like that aspect, too. You know, I like the idea that, yeah, you're alone, but you're not that alone. <laughs> not really. I mean, yeah. you are, but at the same time, like you said, there's, you know, you have a, there's a bat hound, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, what, you know, moving from, from this aspect of the family stuff where I, I like that part, you know, I like that there's a lot of that kind of stuff at DC. One of the other things I really like about DC is DC, at least to me early on, I, you know, I mean, you can argue the, the terminology, but for me, DC felt like it was the first company to really embrace the idea that, that comics were kind of, well, they were for kids too. They were also for adults. And they wanted to, you know, advance or let the characters age or mature a little bit. Now, granted, it gets out of hand after Watchmen and then with things all takes the turn of everything has to be ultra grim and gritty, for lack of a better term. But, I mean, you, you know, when I think of more books that I read as that challenged me as an adult, there were definitely more at DC. Especially in the 80s. Especially in the 80s. But, I mean, it's like you're talking your Watchmen, your Dark Knight Returns. Um, and that's even before you get to, like, stuff like The Invisibles. Or preacher, or um, what's another good one at DC? Um, any of the Vertigo stuff, Sandman. I mean, again, Sandman. Yeah. Is, the one authority. Of the, yeah. Right. Right. When one they bring in Wildstorm, but the yeah. idea, like Sandman's one of those things that, again, it's a it's a legacy character. Yeah. I mean, granted, granted, Morpheus does isn't out fighting crime, but it you know you can definitely draw a line from Wesley Dodds being the Sandman in the '30s, being part of the Justice Society to. You know, the one that's the Kirby Sandman that was had a couple, you know, handful of issues in the in the seventies. And then to, you know, basically 
I'm probably leaving somebody out. With with you know being Gaiman's with, ver- Neil Gaiman's version, right? With Gaiman's version in in, in Starman, in Starman, in um, Sandman. We'll get Starman in a minute, but Sandman's one of those where like you know it, it starts out as one thing, and then you know Gaiman sort of takes it on this whole other fantasy turn, but it's rooted in the idea. Like I mean, Doctor Destiny from the Justice League is one of the first main you know adversaries when Morpheus is trying to recollect his his you know his stuff that he lost after being trapped for years. You know, which is, it's one of those things where I love the thing about Sandman is like, it's such an adult quote unquote book, but it's so still strictly rooted in DC continuity. I love that about that book. It's one of the things where I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's that fantasy book, but at the same time, it's not. Right. Like like Constantine. Yeah. Constantine too. Hellblazer is another one where it's kind of like, you know, Hellblazer is, is, is so, you know, is, is part of, you know, first appears in, in Alan Moore's uh, Swamp Thing run. You know, I think it's 37 is the issue. But it's one of those things where, you know, he starts out there and, it, you know, he's this con man magician and then he becomes he dresses whole... like a fop. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Very much so. You know, looking like Sting. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the idea that, you know, that, that whole thing grows into something, you know, the, something more and then it becomes its own thing in Hellblazer and you get like, you know, his origin in Newcastle and, and you know, the family man and storylines and all that stuff. It's so much, you know. Again, they with with the Vertigo especially, that imprint DC definitely were like, okay, well, you know, we know our readership is growing up, and we need to cater to it, you know. Yeah. And for a long time, they didn't, you know, they were they were doing a lot of books that were, like I said, outreach of a normal outreach of the stuff they were already doing, and then eventually it became, you know, a lot of creator and imprint and stuff and and stuff beyond just being like the regular, you know, regular superhero stuff. But some of it was still, you know, like The Invincibles, I would argue, is still a, a somewhat super heroic book. It's just not straight up superpowers and costumes type thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I get so frustrated when I hear uh, the arguments that comics have to be one thing or the other. Like, it's got to be superheroes should only be like kid friendly and fun and for children. And, and like, no, no, no. Then like it should only be for adults and it should be grim and gritty. And it should be like, like what? Like, I, I like having all the flavors right you know what i mean i feel like every book should you shouldn't have to peg the entire universe to have the same tone i think that that's the beauty of it and i think that that's that's one of the things that um that hollywood was getting wrong as far as adapting movies is that is that they all thought that they all had to kind of be like like batman like blade like dark man like they all had to be like this sort of tone and it's like, that's fine. That's good to do if the character is like that, if the character lends itself. But don't don't try and force a character that is bright and optimistic into that mold. Sure. Yeah. If it you know fits in I mean? that, that's OK. But if not, then, you know, you're, you're just you're, you're not you're doing a disservice to your character by trying to make them fit into that. Yeah. And also, I mean, and I think you're doing the disservice to the stakes of your story if 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 that's the the card you play all the time. Right. Because the thing that I think is cool about Superman for as bright and optimistic as he is, like there are stories out there where things are dark and stuff hits the fan. Sure. You know, and like the Apocalypse Now two-parter from the animated series is as, you know, like he's put through the ringer in that episode for sure. Mm-hmm. It's as dark as, as as something you'll see. Right. And it's great. And, and I mean, and it stands out because because the show was bright more times than not not to say that there weren't stakes always mm. there was right. you know oh yeah oh yeah 
Is there anything about DC currently that's out there that that gets you gets you excited? Um, I'm looking forward to. I mean, as far as a particular con in the medium of comics or broadly, yeah, yeah, something that the comics are doing now. I mean, yeah, I guess if you have a movie thing too or a cartoon thing that you wanna you wanna throw out, by all means. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's the evolving the Batman by Reeves that should be coming next year, but or even one Woman eighty four. But I was thinking recently or new which was um um doom patrol mm -hmm. mm -hmm. their second season should be looming soon that's a good one yeah um as far as comic books go uh the three jokers yeah it was supposed to come out in a month but it's been pushed to august in which um in a, am trying to think of the arc of what um justice league but batman has discovered that there are three different jokers or versions of them that exist simultaneously. And DC's on the culmination of um, interpreting what that means exactly. I think it's it's a Jeff John story, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yeah. 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 And I just want to see their interpretation as to how they're going to um, further um, add more um, interpretation to this character. To me, I thought Rich reached the tipping point or a uh, culmination of it. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops or what they what that embodies when it's presented come august yeah it's a it's a gutsy move for sure extreme i gotta give them credit for that yeah like you know it's they're not taking the safe way out with this no, for sure not you know all. and they've had any any number of points to 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 jump off of this i mean it's a strange idea i think but i'm but i'm i'm with you like i'm curious to see where, where they're gonna go with it because i mean this has been teased for years so at any point they they could they could have got off you know, got off the highway on this. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really intrigued with that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think I mentioned way too many ideas in one go. <laughs> no, it's okay. Because <laughs> any one of you guys could have said one of those and easily answered that question. But that just, it, it if I blink, uh, despite what people may say or think or to foresee, DC has stuff coming. It's just, um, not um, as loud as other um, companies at this point in time. Like, for example, right. I believe there's even talks of the, of us having a Green Lantern show on um, a streaming site that might come into fruition. You know, isn't yeah. there supposed? And they're also supposed to be uh, Justice League Dark, and that was rumored. yeah, yeah, Justice League Dark. And I, I love the fact that their animated um, features come out like every three months. That has not stopped for years, despite right. what they're currently going through. Speaking of the animated stuff, I'm excited for um, Two Man Man of Tomorrow. Um, yeah, the new animated feature. Yeah, based uh, based on um, Superman American Alien. Okay. By Max Landis, it's actually I mean it's a very good you know it's one of those things where it's not really a one cohesive story. It's more like seven vignettes or six vignettes I believe, where each Ooh. issue is, is a different art team, but basically okay. exploring moments in, in Clark and Superman's life as he's developing into being Superman. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those where, like, I, from what I've seen of the, the the preview, it looks, you know, it looks like the stuff there. Some of its stuff is, you know, like they do with all those stories. Some of the stuff is being more expanded, and then other stuff is not. But the stuff they're choosing to focus on is very good. Those issues are, you know, well worth picking up. So, okay. The only, the only thing I will say, I'm remiss, I'm surprised that that's not currently going on right now. DC has always had an animated show currently out. Like, don't me wrong. I, I, I'm I'm forgetting Superhero Girls, which is currently in production. Yeah, it's still running. Teen on Titans Cartoon Go, Network. still. Teen, Teen Titans Go. I forgot Teen Titans Go. 
or maybe I'm thinking more along the lines of a Batman or a Justice League or even a Superman cartoon, which they've always had one of the one of the three. Either it's been a Batman, Superman, yeah, or a um, Justice League cartoon, like Justice League action. Well, and Young Justice oh, is yeah. still running technically. Oh uh, yeah, that's okay. what I was gonna say too. <laughs> yeah. Season four is coming. Yeah, they had well, Harley. I was Quinn. gonna say, what about Harley Quinn? Wow, I, well, I'll take that back. There's four currently out now. Jeez, I, I guess I'm getting greedy. Because... For all different age brackets. Yes, yep. I, yeah, I'll take that back. I'm just greedy. Right. I just want my ver- I just want a particular version that caters to what I particularly love. But I do love young <laughs> to your personal tastes. Yeah, yeah. Frank, Clifton, what about you guys? You guys, Is there something out there that, that you're excited about? I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty behind on the comics right now. I'm trying to catch up. So I've been avoiding what's like previews of what's coming in comics just because I don't know what's happening now yet. But as far as shows, like I've I've watched the first couple episodes of Stargirl Mm. and uh, for a lot of the CW shows, the DC CW shows, my mileage varies. Some I enjoy a lot, some I don't enjoy so much, (laughs) but, uh, the Stargirl one in the first couple episodes I've seen has been fun so far. I like the I like the tone for it. I like that its tone is is different than the other shows that that they do that they're that they're willing to try different things. I like so I like some of the darker shows, but I like this one that's a, a lighter, more like family entertainment style of show. Uh, so I've been enjoying that. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that one. Yeah, I agree. This one cool. feels very Disney. Okay. Yeah, I was. I made a, a comment, I think, talking to Zach the other day, where I said it's very Richard Donner, <laughs> but I'm like, it's not Richard Donner Superman, it's Richard Donner Goonies. Okay, like, yeah. that's yeah. what it feels yeah. like. Yeah, okay. I have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, that intrigued me too, because I was, you know, I was gonna get to it, but you know, knowing me, I'm gonna get to it in two years from now. But when you said <laughs> that, I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would not have guessed that at all. Yeah. For me, it's um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with um, Superman and Lois. Speaking of the CW shows, okay, okay. I mean, it's been I don't know how far along they got into production, but it's one of those things where, um, given the way the epilogue bit is in the the crisis that they had on the CW, um, is an interesting twist <laughs> on on the mythos. So I'm kind of curious what how that's going to play out. Um, I'm hoping I was hoping originally it was going to lean a lot more towards, um. Again, getting back to Superman and Superman Family, because again, we didn't really talk about it, but at one point in the 70s, Superman Family was, you know, a, a series of books that basically was, you know, you got a Superman story and then Lois, Jimmy, Supergirl, um, Superman, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Superman, which was like Superman and Lois from Earth 2, or any, basically any night, it would be night, Nightwing and Flamebird from the Bottle of Candor. You know, all these characters would be in this, you know, giant size comic every month, right? But Tomasi did. Peter Tomasi again did a uh, did Superman, but it was pretty much a Superman family book where it was Superman and Lois and Jonathan Kent were all pretty much in on the act every month, and it's great, really, really good run of Superman. If you like, um, if you like that that idea, but right. um, but I mean, I don't want to spoil what the twist is, but it's kind of an interesting twist for the the setup for the series, so we'll see how that plays out. And then I'm interesting to see how they're going to handle um, Ruby Rose leaving Batwoman. Yeah, me having, too. Having to recast that lead role is, you know, it's going to be, you know, a tough, a tough switch. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Um, and she was good too. I thought, like, I, I, I enjoyed Batwoman. I do too. I, it's From one of those where I thought she, you know, yeah, it, I, like it. I thought she got, you know, as time went on, she got better and better. So it's one of those things where people are like, ah, she sucks. It's just, you know, you're just being jerks, <laughs> right? But I mean, let's, I mean, people still were like, ah, fine, she's left. She's, you know, she sucked. I'm like, she didn't suck. 
it just took right. she took a little while to get used to the role and as the time went on she got better and better there's you know there's moments in that show that are genuinely good moments that she gives in her performances so people are just being douches when they say ah she sucked right. so i mean i but again i interested i mean it's one of those things where it's a you know because one of the interesting things they said was as opposed to doing you know these giant crossovers every year they're going to have a lot of like you know two shows of crossover or three shows of crossover but not one ginormous everybody's involved in the act type show or type uh, crossover and interesting enough the next crossover is supposed to be batwoman and superman and lois okay okay so yeah i think that's smart though i think mm-hmm. like logistically to make make a huge crossover like that work every year is so hard so on one hand like i feel like from a production level like it's a little easier just to cross over two shows instead of four or five or six or however many they're got going on now right you they know probably get some stronger story moments yeah but also at the same time like whenever they inevitably do a big crossover with all the shows which i'm sure it's coming you mm-hmm. know not every not every year but i'm sure you know i'm sure one's on the books uh it will feel more special i think right you know like the olympics <laughs> sure you know yeah i mean Got there's a lot of stuff i'm looking forward to um movie wise and everything i'm really excited for james gunn suicide squad sure. really excited for it i cannot wait for it because i know i just seen like on twitter and everything like he's he talks about the ostrander run of suicide squad which i love mm-hmm. um so i think as far as um something to 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 be referencing or something to be inspired by i feel like that that's that's dead on for me um and even even the the david ayer suicide squad that we got um the moments that are inspired by the ostrander stuff i think are some of the strongest points in the movie i think it's a it's an uneven movie to me well uh, for sure it's one of those things where they you know they i was talking to someone about this the other day our, our buddy dan was asking me about it and i said well you know it's one of those things where had they built that built to that moment in their second movie because it's it's definitely in the storylines of the of the the Ostrander stuff. It comes later, the whole reveal about Nightshade and you know and June Moon and yeah. Enchantress and all that stuff. About when it when it comes into play in the book, it work. It's a it's a heavy you know it's a it's a moment you know it's a big moment in the storytelling. But having it be your first thing out, not so much. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so I think you know um, I love Guardians one and two. Mm. So you know, no reason to for me to think that. James Gunn's not going to knock it out of the park for this. I think I think he's tailor made to do a movie on on the Suicide Squad. So I'm really excited for that. Um, comic wise, I I still can't quite get over the fact that Bendis is there and and um, everything I've read, um, he's making himself at home, which I think is a good thing. Like he's 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 making changes to things. But um, what excites me about his presence is that. He seems to get the tone of everything, right? Like Superman is hopeful. Superman is bright. Super, you know, and he's playing with stuff like that. And so I'm excited for the fact that uh, while nothing's announced, it's inevitable he's going to get Justice League. Mm-hmm. Right? He will be sure. on. He will be on a Justice League book before he leaves DC. Oh yeah. Um, and so I'm super excited whenever that happens. Um, I'm also excited for Tom King's Batman run, which I've enjoyed immensely. Mm-hmm. to wrap up uh you know this year next year i don't i don't quite know what's happening with release dates uh right. now uh but yeah i mean i've enjoyed it so I'm, I'm really excited to see the crescendo of that um as well so uh we should start wrapping up but to, to close out what's the dc comics event um that we all think 
best represents the DC universe in the comics? <laughs> I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than Crisis. <laughs> I, I think the Crisis... The original yeah, Crisis the original, on Infinite Earths. Crisis on Infinite Earths right. from, from 86, because it's one of those things where I know, you know, I belong to a lot of groups that, that, that bitch and moan about it. Oh, it changed. But it's one of those things where I, I, I personally, you know, when I read it at the time that I read it, you know, it's a seminal work to me. Like, you know, Marv Wolfman does an amazing job wrangling all those characters. You know, it's hard to argue George Perez and Jerry Ordway, you know, doing all the art. You know, it's a great book. It's one of those ones I love to go back to and just look at it and read. And, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to beat that one when the idea of like everything is on the line. You know, you have major character deaths. It doesn't shy away from, from, you know, that sort of thing. And and I, I think, you know, there are other moments in DC Comics that I love, but I think that event is the like the 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 one that everyone else has to live up to. Okay. That's a good one. Tommy Clifton, who wants to go next? And the one I enjoyed the most experiencing was the one we already talked about, which was uh Infinite Crisis and countdown to Infinite Crisis leading up to it, because I was a little young and just getting into comics probably right after Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, so I didn't get to experience it as it was happening, just looking back at it after knowing all the ramifications of it. But then Infinite Crisis was the one that I did get to like read and start trying to put the pieces together myself and experience as it was coming out. So that was the one I've enjoyed the most. Yeah. Another really good one. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Tommy, what about you? Kingdom Come. Um, mm. uh, I, that's a beautifully painted book. Um, I don't think yeah. we'll ever get something of that grandeur and that storytelling until we talk about Marvels next week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but was was DC's concern? Right. Don't care for the follow up. I would love to see that animated, right? And in its majesty, not so much. I just like the. I love how it looks, the designs, the thought behind it. Again, it focuses on Superman and hope and taking that, um, steering away from his ideals, his goals, and his thoughts and going in a new direction and seeing the chaos it wields, you know? Well, it's another one that questions whether the rev- whether or not Superman is relevant or not. Yeah, it, it, exactly. But it doesn't on, the, on a larger scale right. than what right. we've seen before. Uh I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. It's to me, it's, it's to me, I even think of it as a quick read really uh, because of how quickly it comes from the beginning and the end. And it's seen through the eyes of Wesley Dodd, you know, and in a lot of cases, or at least that's how it's introduced. Um, yeah. I love that book. Um, it's, it's not spoken as, as it was when it dropped, but I, I just like the, um, the grandeur and the simplicity of it at the same time and what it tries to accomplish using the entire DC universe as, as best as they could, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, another Mark Wade one, another Mark mm-hmm. Wade classic. He's come mm-hmm. up a lot in this episode, which is good. He's awesome. Mark Wade's great. Um, I was going to say infinite crisis because mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoyed that time too, but I, I had a backup ready just in case one of you said it. So, so I am going to say, um, blackest night. Okay. Which was right. which was another time in in DC that I thought was super super fun, um, to be a part of all of this because it was it was an first of all it was an event that wasn't you know Batman and Superman as sort of your anchor point and everything it was a Green Lantern event which I thought was cool right. and it was and it was a it was a Green Lantern event that got big and it was it was essentially kind of like a big zombie 
uh, movie. But what I like about it is, is being an illustration of the DC universe at large is that it played off of legacy and it played off of history in the sense that you got reference to any number of meaningful deaths as part of this story. Right. right. And you got to see so many characters put through the ringer because like they're, they're suddenly like face to face with their, with their mentor or their parents or whatever. And I thought it was a really, really interesting time. And I just remember being at a party and telling a buddy of mine who's a Marvel guy about this. Cause that's what I do at parties. We talk comic books. That's how we roll. Uh, is, <laughs> is crazy. He, yeah, he's, he was he he's a Marvel lifer, and I remember telling him about this Blackest Night thing, and and I got him into the store, right, to come in and start picking up and 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 read Blackest Night stuff. So I thought that that was really really cool, um, and I thought it was a b- really good opportunity for DC at the time to really kind of um cross over and get more readers. So I'll say that one. So okay, so that's it for why we love the DC universe. We will do an episode on why we love the Marvel Universe. Stay tuned. That's coming. But be sure to tell us in the comments why you love the DC Universe. What did we miss? What did we forget? Let us know. Also, if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, go ahead and leave a suggestion in the comments section, and we just might use it on the air. Please also don't forget to check out our website at letmenowhowitis.com, where you can catch up on all of our past episodes, as well as see notes and links to some of the things we talk about in conversation. You can also find a link and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And finally, don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash let me know how it is and follow us on Twitter at LMKHII. Thanks for listening and we will see you on the next one.